I've announced to you this past week that I would be preaching from this topic, this subject. Does Jesus care? We put it on face. We put it on our our uh, website, and <clears throat> normally I don't announce what I'm going to preach, but I feel it today. I feel that God wants to touch somebody's life in a very special way. I believe that God wants to reach inside and begin to minister and move. Almost everyone in this place has been through hard times. Almost everyone in this place has been through a time that God, God can do anything. God can move whenever he wants to. God, does, God has done tremendous miracles that we've seen with our eyes. But then sometimes, seems like he doesn't do it. What then does Jesus care? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Notice that due time. Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon Jesus Christ, for he cares for you. Praise God. You can be seated. Does Jesus care? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence here today. Thank you, Lord, for the power that we felt, Lord Jesus, for the mighty promise, Lord God, of what you want to do and what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord, for caring for us, Lord God. I pray that you'd anoint this message to our hearts. Help me, Lord Jesus, to bring forth the things that I need to bring forth, Lord, with clarity and unction, Lord God, I pray. In the name of Jesus, speak to every heart and every soul in this house today. Praise God. Casting all your care upon Jesus. Why? For he, because he cares for you. And yet, because of trials, because of tribulations in our life, things far beyond our control, we are torn often by this question, does Jesus care? Why does that even come up? Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all, every one of us in this place, bar none, every one of us has made mistakes. So the devil throws it up. Jesus won't do it for you because of this and that. He begins to move upon us and try to make us doubt that Jesus really cares. Does Jesus care? When... No answer comes, seemingly. Does Jesus care when I'm still sick? Does Jesus care when I still hurt? Does Jesus really care when judges and, and judgments are against me? 
Does Jesus care? God can step in and change anything and everything at any time he wants to. Let let me say that again. God can step in and change anything at any time for any reason or purpose just simply because he's God. We believe that, don't we? Amen. That's, a, that's, a, that's part of the fiber of our, our, our belief and trust in him. Then the question, oh, this question pops up. Then why doesn't he? What have you done? The devil throws it in our face. It's because of you. It's because of what you've done. It's because of this. It's because of that. Would you just forget that? I'm asking this question, does Jesus care? And hopefully before the end of this service, we'll know without a doubt that he does care. Absolutely. Why does God allow certain things to happen? Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. I'm talking to some mothers that, and dads that have buried their children. That's not supposed to happen. That's not supposed to take place. The children are supposed to outlive the parents. Mothers with miscarriages that they've had to deal with. Loved ones that are lost. Some of you have suffered through divorce. For some, sickness and affliction never, ever ends. Some of you in this place at at times and points have felt like your life has ended. Does Jesus really care? To really understand, I want to share with you this story. Brother and sister Nathan Dupree, he pastored a church, Pentecostal Church, United Pentecostal Church in Northlet, Arkansas. They are very godly people and pray and seek God. Brother Dupree is a, is a man of great integrity. And I've served on the district board with him for a number of years. I've got a lot of confidence in this guy. And I trust him. For I have found when the chips were down, and it wasn't popular, Brother Dupree would do right. So surely this kind of people could not face trouble. Could they? Last Saturday a week ago, I called him and asked if I could share their story with you today. <clears throat> I put him on speakerphone, and as I was writing as fast as I could to write it all down, uh, there were, there's a lot of things that, that I'll have to leave out today. 
there's a lot of miracles he told me about that I'm, I'm not going to have time to even, even uh, talk about them. But as I talked with him, he got very, very emotional. And I did too. I was crying as I began to write things down. And as when the conversation was over, it was him talking nonstop. I asked him a couple of questions. But mostly it was him talking nonstop. When he got through, we ended the conversation. And I looked on my phone, and it was it's like 10 minutes that I talked to him, but it was actually an hour and a half. As he began to bear his soul to me. Sister Dupree, he told me, has a very unique way of selling birth, celebrating special people's birthdays, her kids and close family. Yes, she will buy them a gift, but she fasts three days for them. Her daughter Megan's birthday was coming up, and she said, Mom, you've got so many things going on and so much happening, and, and you've got others to, to fast for that that uh, why don't you just put the fast off for me that you normally do, just put it off. And I'm not sure when or, or how, but the Lord woke Sister Dupree and said, begin your fast for Megan right now, immediately. And it was in that time or shortly thereafter that Megan called the Duprees and said, we need to meet. I've got something I need to talk to you about. She met, played music at the church and was very, very talented. In this meeting, she confessed to Brother Dupree that she was in a relationship with a guy that was in the church, in his church. And the guy in the church also had a dad in the church. She knelt down and repented and cried for quite, quite some time, put it under the blood. She had a daughter... Alyssa, that was about 11 years old at the time, so wanting to make things right, she broke up with the guy, and he was livid. There was no reasoning with him. For about a month, this guy continually threatened her. He followed her to work. He confronted her over and over again, and Brother Dupree had removed her from the platform, but in a tremendous move of God, at the end of a service, he felt God quicken him to have her come up and play on the keyboard, and she did. And Megan's eyes were closed, and Brother Dupree told me that it seems like everybody was, for some reason or other, was directed to look at her, and she was speaking in tongues as she played. It turned out to be her last service. It was at the Arkansas camp meeting week, and the Duprees felt a compelling need to return home. God just spoke to them, said, you got to get home. you got to get home. And so they came home, and, it, and Megan fixed supper for the Duprees that night. And, and they had in the, in the, <clears throat> the, the, the day that, that uh, they had something that they got for after they left, and they brought it back by our house and gave it to her, and then they went home. And at 2 51 a.m., the police called Brother Dupree and said, you need to come to your daughter's apartment. And police told him that there had been a shooting and Megan was dead. The man had kicked the door in 
and shot her at point-blank range with a shotgun. Alyssa, her 11-year-old daughter, had a friend staying with her that night. And she heard her mother scream, and she came, and she saw her mother and called 911. I'm leaving out the details, folks. In the middle of all of this, Alyssa, birth father, that had been totally out of her life, he had left when she was around one years old, been gone about 10 years, showed no interest totally in her. Suddenly he appeared and showed up to take her home with him. The court appearance <coughs> ended. First of all, the day after the funeral, the very day after the funeral, there was a custody hearing with the dad that had never been in her life wanting to take her home with him. And the court appearance ended that day with Alyssa screaming and running and jumping into Sister Dupree's lap, weeping and wailing, saying, I want to die, just let me die. Then the murder trial. Alyssa's dad started writing letters to the newspapers, writing totally untrue and inaccurate and disparaging things about the Dupree's. The pressure was coming from everywhere. The man's dad that had committed the murder, you remember the man was in, in Brother Dupree's church and the dad was also. And, and the man's dad, that, the, the guy that, uh, the dad of the man that had committed the murder was pressuring them to let him accept a plea bargain. And Brother Dupree, under all the pressure, he went to the prosecutor and said, just go ahead and let him plea bargain. You understand where they were. Your daughter has been brutally murdered, and there, somebody is wanting leniency for the guy that did that. And just so happened, Brother uh, Dupree is a, is a gentle sort of gentleman, and he wanted to do what's right, yet here he was going through that. And so Brother Dupree went to the prosecutor, and the prosecutor said, oh, no, sir, they won't budge. The dad has been telling the son that God's going to intervene and get him out. And as the trial went on, went on they highlighted the early teenage years when Megan had some difficulty. They dug up every bit of dirt they could find. And Alyssa had to sit there and listen to it. They found him guilty of capital murder. But because of a technicality, the Supreme Court threw it back for a new trial. Alyssa was a basket case. She was suicidal. They found her one time curled up in the bathtub, no water, fully clothed and saying, I want to die. Two murder trials, three court appearances, demanded by a deadbeat dad that all he was interested was in some sort of a life insurance policy. Finally, her counselor referred Alyssa to a psychiatrist. She turned out to be a highly educated black lady, highly educated. And they were desperately afraid that she would put her on all kinds of medication 
But it turned out another miracle. She was a godly lady. She said, child, you don't need any of my medicine. What you need is prayer. And she began to pray for her. I've left out an enormous part of this story, but the years of the tears and the heartache, the desperation of five or six years going on, their life on hold, waiting, bombarded from all sides in every area that you could think of. Uh, a granddaughter that was a hopeless case, uh, a time that they didn't know what would happen. They didn't, their life was in turmoil. Their life had effectively ended. Brother Dupree told me the Lord sustained them. Alyssa was invited later on to speak all over our fellowship. And she would tell the kids that were there, I became suicidal and I decided it was either going to destroy me or make me. So I decided I would let this make me. She started trying to raise money for She's for Christ. She said, I'm going to do something for God. And she raised over $40,000 for She's for Christ in a few years. Wherever she went and she would speak, kids would line up for counseling. Alyssa is now married, has a master's degree in counseling, still in church. Wonderful lady. If you, if you would see her, you would never dream that anything like this has ever happened to her. And she's in counseling, and she counsels troubled youth. Brother Dupree told me that camp meeting week, they sang a brand new song, You Are Great, You Do Miracles So Great. Said it sustained Sister Dupree. She sang it during the tough times. She sang it during the day. She sang it during the night. And she said this to Brother Dupree, I just felt like God was carrying us. I asked Brother Dupree, I said, how did you get through it? And he said, Jesus. Jesus was there. He said, you just have to put it in God's hands. And when you put it in God's hands, God will bless it. God could have stopped it. But somehow he chose not to. Brother Dupree said this, faith in God is not based on emotion. Faith in God is a decision. He said, I, I made, the, made the, the, the decision. I finally, he said, I decided I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust in God. He said, you get the wind knocked out of you over and over again, but God will sustain you. He told me this. He said, when you get called at 2 a.m. in the morning and told your daughter's just been killed, you don't feel any faith. It's a decision that I'm going to have faith in God. And he said this, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. No, it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. There was weeping, there was crying, there was questions, there was sorrow, there was pain. Even these years later, I cried as he got emotional. Does Jesus care? 
Brother Dupree made this statement. Absolutely. Wow. What a testimony. But what he's done for them, he'll also do for you. It's not easy, but you have to give it to the Lord. It's not easy, but you have to let go of it. It's not easy, but you've got to cry out to the Lord. It's not easy, but you've got to call upon him. I remember an old song. Does Jesus care when my heart is pain too deeply for mirth or song as the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched by my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Does Jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear? As the daylight fades into deep night shades, does he care enough to be dear? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. You see, he cares for you. Come on, as we stand together, let your emotions go. Let the healing start right now. Remember, he's before us, behind us, beside us. He's always close. Cry out to the Lord. Somebody needs to lay their burdens down this morning. You see, put it in God's hands. The Dupree's world was turned upside down. And everything looked hopeless. Life as they knew it seemed over. But out of the mess and out of the destruction, God made a way and the sun began to shine again. You see, God's not finished with you. He cares. I don't know what you've gone through. I have no idea of everything that you faced. But I'm telling you, He cares. I'm telling you the sun is going to shine again for you. I'm telling you the light of Jesus Christ is near you. I'm telling you right now that God cares. The hand of the Lord is in this place. The presence of the Lord is here. God cares. God knows what you're facing. God knows what you're going through. If you can only see the hands of the Lord. Would you step out from where you are? Would you bring your...